this world so bad that you must start all over? That you must sweep your creation away? Can't you fix us? Make us whole again? Of all the men on earth, what can I offer you? What can I lay at your feet? That you would choose me. What makes me worthy of your salvation? continuing our, our storying through the Bible. You know, we're going to go through the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We're going to be looking at key stories along the way. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the story of Noah. You know, um, and you know, the story of Noah really is far more than just a story about a man who builds his huge boat and goes on a cruise with a bunch of animals. I mean, it's so much more than that. That the story of Noah really is a power, it's a powerful story. It's a powerful story about just an ordinary man like you and I, right? He wasn't this supernatural, he wasn't this superman kind of guy. It's about this man who chose to follow God um, in the midst of a world where sin and evil were just overwhelming, you know. And um, it's now about 1,600 years since uh, Adam and Eve and, you know, the world's population has grown exponentially. Um, unfortunately, sin and evil has grown as well. Um, you know, last year, I mean, last year, we uh, was 2015. This is 2016. Last week, I was gonna say, last week, Max was talking about um, Cain and Abel. And, you know, we saw the first murder in recorded history, right? And uh, sin has, and evil has continued to grow. And it's gotten to the point where the world is a mess, you know. But even in the midst of all this, there was this man named Noah. And, and Noah uh, was a man who chose to follow God. I mean, that's the thing about Noah. He chose to follow God. And the thing about this is, you know, like all the stories in the Bible, this isn't a myth. This isn't a fairy tale. This is, this is real life. It's about real people and real life, you know, real challenges and, and real answers and we're going to look at this story because there's some things that we can apply to our lives today, all right? And so let's pray and let's ask God for some help to speak to our hearts today as we look uh, through this story, all right? Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your word, the Bible. We pray that you would speak to us, that today, that you, Almighty God, would speak to our hearts, that right where we are, in the situation and the circumstances, right where we are, that you would speak to us. That's the amazing thing about who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your bulletins, you know, there's notes in there, and you can follow along. And on the other side of the page are, like, discussion questions for small groups. And we want to encourage our small groups to go through 
of the stories as we do. And so if you want to join a small group, you can go you know, check out the list of small groups there. Or you might want to start a small group, and that'd be great too. But we know, when we look at the world Noah lived in, it was a mess. Right? In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we're going to start there. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on earth, and he saw that everything, right? and this is the incredible part, everything they thought or even imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's how bad things were. So that the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And here's the thing, all right? We think, is God really angry? No, I mean, he is heartbroken. It broke his heart, the Bible says. And the Lord said, you know, with this broken heart, he says, I, I will wipe out the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals, the scurry that scurry along the ground, even the birds, the sky. You know, I am sorry that I ever made them. And, and, you know, we know the story of Noah. Most of us, all of us know the story of Noah. It's about this great flood, and we're going to see the great flood later. But, but they, right, right now, what we see is the first great flood. That there is this, this flood of, of evil that is just covering the whole earth to the point where, you know, there's nothing good. You know, people, they, they can't even think good anymore. Every, all their thoughts, even things they were imagining, were totally evil. And this world was flooded with evil. And incredibly, we read that it was so bad that there was nothing good. You know? And that is a really bad place, when that there's nothing good. And, and there was so much sin, so much so much evil, so much rebellion against God that it really broke his heart. And when we look at the story of Noah, we think, wow, that was kind of mean, you know. But God in his wisdom, and I don't understand his wisdom, all I know, it was out of a broken heart. You know, it's kind of like when you see someone you love and they're kind of going down a bad path and we see the damage in their lives and you're just like, man, you just want to grab them, you know. And you want to shake them. You want to you know, you know, snap out of it. And it just breaks your heart as you see this person you love just totally make a mess out of their lives, right? And that's kind of how it was. It broke God's heart. And incredibly, in the midst of all this flood of sin, there's this man Noah, right? This is regular man Noah. But what he did was amazing. He chose to stay close to God. You know, that was the thing that set Noah apart. In fact, we read in verse 8, it says, Noah found favor with the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. I mean, can you imagine? Of all the people that were living, there was just one man that was doing right. Just one guy. That was Noah. One person that said, you know, in spite of all that's going on, I got to do what God has commanded me to do. I got to follow, even though nobody else is, I have to. And that was Noah. And the world was a mess. Sin was out of control. And yet, the Bible says he, says, he stayed in close fellowship with God. See, that was God's design from the very beginning. And you know, Adam and Eve... 
God created man just to hang out and to enjoy a relationship with him. And all of a sudden, with this flood of evil, one man, Noah, who chose to do so. And unfortunately, the wickedness of humankind incurred God's judgment. All right, In verse 11, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and filled with violence. God observed that all the corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So, so God said to Noah, you know, hey, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. And what we see is that there's a consequence for sin and there's a consequence really uh, for wickedness. See, and we talk, and God is, God is love, you know, and God's merciful, but in order for God to be loving and merciful, he has to be just. He has to be righteous. He has to be fair, right? And so out of his, his righteousness, you know, he, he looks and he says, you know, I, I have to be true to who I am. And though it broke his heart, he makes this decision. But God didn't forget about Noah. God didn't forget about Noah. And, and he says, Noah, you know what? I see you. I see you, and I'm going to give you this amazing call and this amazing responsibility. That he says in, in, you know, in verse 14 to 16, and you can you read that on your own, God gives Noah specific instructions on the ark, the boat that he is to build. And then he tells Noah why he needs to build this, <clears throat> this ark. In verse 17, he says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breeds. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of each kind of animal, male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of, each, pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animals and every kind of small animals that scurried along the, the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board <clears throat> enough food for your family and for all the animals. And <clears throat> God tells Noah that, hey, you know, I want you, in the middle of this dry land, in the middle of whatever, I just want you to make this gigantic boat, okay? And on this boat, I want you to, you know, build enough so that you and your family can, can, can live and be on this boat. And then, you know, you can get, I want you to gather all the animals, you know, there's a couple of them. Bring them on board. Yeah, even the elephants, the skunks, you know, just bring them on board, you know. Um, you can keep the skunks here. You all can live here, you know, whatever. Porcupines, you know, do whatever. And a cockroach, I guess cockroaches. But anyway, so he, all the animals, right? And he says, not only that, I want you to, I want you to, to, um, to bring enough food for, for everybody on this boat, right? And, and you, you think about this, this is kind of... This is kind of interesting. You want me to bring a pair of all the animals? How, how am I going to get all the animals, right? Um, food. Like, I don't even know what all the animals eat. Right? Like, how much food? And we read this and we read like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is a nice story. But how long did God say they were going to be on that boat? Don't say so how much food can you bring? I don't know how that was. 
There wasn't a Costco where you could get all the, um, you know, like the food in the bucket for like, how was that, Maxwell? Food in a bucket for a year or three months or whatever, right? 90 days in a bucket and freeze-dried, whatever. I mean, how much of that you got to get, right? How much food, how much hay, you know, how much oats or whatever, I don't even know what skunks eat, you know. But well, what do you do? Walnuts for the squirrels. I mean, what do you do? All this stuff. And God didn't say how long they were going to be on the boat. Can you imagine what's going through Noah's mind? Right? First of all, he's got to build a boat. Right? And not only that, he, he's being told that God's going to bring a flood that's going to flood and cover the flood of evil on the whole world, and everything's going to be destroyed except what you got on the boat. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, what would you think? Like, come on, really? Right? I mean, you know, how grave a situation would that be? And then, you know, you're, you're, you're getting over the, the shock of all that, and then does Noah even know how to build a boat? Has he ever built a boat before? Has he ever built a boat that size? You know, and people make replicas of it. It's a pretty big-sized boat, you know. And yet, Noah, who was in close fellowship with God, he knew God's voice. See, as crazy as all this sounded, he knew he could trust God. He knew, like, okay, God, I can trust you. And so as unbelievable as it was, we read in verse 22, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. God said, make the boat this big. He's making the boat that big. God said, he's going to do everything exactly as God had commanded. And, And that's so amazing to me, that he could trust God totally and fully And even if it didn't make sense, even though it seemed unbelievable, um, that he did everything exactly as the Lord had commanded him. And because Noah chose to trust and follow God, God would save him and his family, and that, that that God would not forget about him. Even though with all this evil, even though God said, man, this is breaking my heart, God says, I remember, I see you, Noah, and I'm going to remember you. And when we look at this story, there's some things we can learn. You know, even though these thousands of years later, and this is a really old story, there's some things that God can speak to our hearts just from this story. You know, this tragic story, this sad story, but, but there's some things that we can learn. The first thing is this, to follow along in your notes, that we are living in difficult and challenging times, all right? Like, right now, I think, you know, we need to be prepared that these are difficult and challenging times. In Matthew 24, 37, Jesus said this, when the Son of Man returns, when Jesus comes back, it will be like, the day, it, will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came, swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And, and, you know, the, the, there, are, there are so many people, there are a lot of people today that believe that we're living in those last days. And, and I believe we are because Paul said we're living in the last days, right? And if we're living in the last days and if Jesus could come back at any moment, 
then what we're seeing is we're seeing a glimpse of how bad it was in the day of Noah. You know, and, and so that tells me that, that these, are, these are difficult and challenging times. You know, and there are things, there's times in your life, situations in your life, where you know you're living in a difficult and challenging time. Right? How do we know this? Well, last Thursday, of this past Thursday, was it Thursday? We had a game, right? I think it was Thursday. Whatever this week, I tried to forget about it. And when I saw what was happening on the court, with three people wearing striped shirts, black and white striped shirts, I thought, we are living in difficult and challenging times. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, it was, it was hard. You know? And, and because I was preparing for the message, I was kind of thinking about Noah, right? And, and you, know, that, you know, three striped shirt people, and I don't want to mention who they were because then you might, might be one of your relatives and I'm speaking bad, you know? But... Um, but, you know, I, I was just kind of thinking about it. I said, you know, this is like, this is so manini. This is so small, right? I mean, this is really, this is a game. This is basketball, right? But I thought, you know, I just started to think, you know, that's all the emotions that was going on in my, in my heart. And I thought, it just reminded me, like, you know, there's, there's some difficult times we live in. And I thought about all the different things and all the, all the violence that we see, you know, all around us, you know, just... The things even here in Hawaii where we think this is paradise, but some messed up things are going on here, you know? And I began to think, like, yeah, we really are living in tough times, you know? And the thing is, we need to understand that because the second thing is knowing that we're living in challenging and difficult times, what it should do is it should draw us closer to God. See, that's what it should do. That when we see stuff, Instead of taking things in our own hands, instead of running away somehow, you know, trying to escape the reality of what's going on out here, it should draw us closer to God. Because what set Noah apart and saved him was his decision to walk close to God. He, he didn't do anything super, supernatural. He didn't do anything that none of us could, you know, that is, it would be impossible for us to do. He was a man like all the rest of the created men and women who are walking the face of the earth. But he made a decision. He decision, I'm going to stay close to God. And that's what we need to do. In Matthew 24, he goes on. Jesus goes on and says, and, you know, the days of when, before Jesus comes back, this is going to be tough times like the days of Noah. Then he says this, so you two, you got to keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must be ready at all times for the Son of Man to, who will come when least expected. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, when you see things that are just a mess around you, that should trigger you that you got to keep watch. That, that you got to stay close because Jesus could come at any time. That you got to stay close. And you think, and I think, man, i got to be like Noah. It doesn't matter what's going on all around me. If everyone else is doing something that we shouldn't do, doesn't mean i got to join in. But i got to stay close to the Lord. That, that we got to draw near and stay close to God, and we got to be ready. Because just as a flood can come suddenly and unexpectedly, so will his return. Now, I don't know if any of you have 
ever seen like a flash flood? But when we were living in Ainahaina, and, uh, you know, we had like a, a little stream behind us. And, and, and when I say little stream, it's little, like a trickle of water just kind of going through. And then when it would like storm, then we would see up in the mountains over there, just like, you know, just cloudy and stormy. And it was raining where we were. And there would be those times where all of a sudden, it's really, really, really trippy. You see this little thing and you, you, you almost, you hear a rumbling. You hear this rumbling going on. And so you run to the back. And all of a sudden, that little trickle comes just like a four-foot wall of water, just kind of coming down. And I I don't know why that would happen. I think it would just be trickle, trickle, get like that. But it just comes rushing in. And this flash flood comes rushing in. And it made me understand how dangerous flash floods really are. Because this is just, I mean, you could be walking around, and I'm telling you, I would have my kids there, this little trickle of water looking and throwing rocks and all of a sudden i mean literally in seconds this wall of water comes and it comes rushing by and it is so powerful that in this stream on the bedrock there's all these like huge stones like this you know big boulders that's on the sides of the the stream and and sometimes the flashlights would come and you could actually feel and hear and feel the rocks tumbling, you know, these boulders tumbling down the river. And it's like, oh, this is crazy, you know. And so whenever there was rain, there's no way you are going to have the kids or anybody else play in that river, you know. And what Jesus is saying, just as the flood comes suddenly, you got to be ready. And what does it mean to be ready? What does that mean, really? I mean, practically, what does that mean? Well, it means that we've got to draw near to God. Well, what does that mean, we draw near to God? Well, there was another difficult time um, when God sent the prophet Micah to warn the nation of Israel that things are getting out of hand. And you all better kind of turn because my judgment is coming. You know, I mean, things are getting really bad. And so he sends his prophet Micah to warn them and to draw them back because that's God. God's heart is never... To punish. God's not about punishing, but there's consequences for, for evil and bad things that are done. There's like consequences, right? And so in Micah 6, 8, we, we, we hear what it means to draw near and to come back to God. It says this. In Micah 6, 8, it's 6, 8, it says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you. Simply three things, he says. To do right. Yeah? To to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And what does it mean to draw near to God? What does it mean to be ready? What does it mean to keep watch? It just means to do rightly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, you see? And, and what he's talking about is we seek to live lives that are righteous to God. We try to do what is right. That's living and doing rightly. To, to love mercy, what is that all about? It means to willingly show concern and kindness to others. And to walk humbly with our God, you know, that, it means to consciously walk in close fellowship with Him. See, that's what God's calling us to. That's what Noah had done. That's exactly what he did in spite of all the evil that was going on around him. He chose to do what's right. He chose to love mercy and he chose to walk humbly with his God. In these days that we live, 
There is nothing more important than that. And I'm going to tell you, if you would choose to do that, if you would choose to do that, God will, will, will call and bless you and he will call you to make a difference in this world. That you're going to be a difference maker. That you're not going to be a victim. You're not going to be a casualty. But God's going to use you. Just as he used Noah. He said, Noah, I see you. I remember you. You know, I've not forgotten my covenant with you. I see you walking close to me. And, and, and God gave Noah this amazing call and this amazing responsibility. And that if you would draw near to God, if we would draw near to God, that he would empower us and he would empower you to be a conduit of his love to the world. You see, that's what he wants to do. That, that he wants to use you to be like a conduit, a pipe, for, to bring his love and pour that into the world. That's what we're called to do. See, whenever we go and do things in the community, I think, God, just use us because we want to be a conduit, a conduit to what God is doing. Whatever he's giving to I want to bless the people around us. And, you know, on Easter, you're going to hear an amazing story about that. An amazing story about a couple of people who have experienced the goodness of God, who have chosen to do rightly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with their God as best they can. And God's using them to bless an entire company and their families. And it's going to be crazy. You're going to be like, what is going on with that? See, but that's what God wants to do. God is looking for people who will trust him and respond to his call to make a difference in the world. It could be really big, like, like, like Noah, you know, world-changing. Or it could be in smaller ways. It doesn't matter. What matters is that God calls you to make a difference in the world. See, God created us to make a difference in the world. He, he created us to be in close fellowship with him, and we're called to make a difference. You know, and whatever and wherever we are, you know. And that's the humbling thing about following the Lord. You know, like, I love basketball, right? I, I love basketball. And, you know, I, I would challenge every one of those girls and beat them in horse. Okay. Could. Could I do one-on-one? No, because I would need oxygen. Okay. okay. Right? And if we played horse, and if they just did layups all day and made me run, I'd lose. But they don't call me the Asian Stephen Curry for nothing. <laughs> they, don't, they don't even call me that. But I love basketball, right? Yeah, they're all shaking their head like, we saw you shoot. I shot it a three. I was fooling around. I, you know, I got the ball. I shot a three-point, and Bree was there, gave me the ball, air ball. I, I like was like that much short. It was pitiful. But I had arthritis in my shoulder that day. It was like rough. You know, I was kind of crippled that day. You know, but I love basketball, and it is a joy. I just love having the privilege of just being a part of what God is doing at HBU and the women's basketball team. I, I, I love that. But then I also remember it's a privilege, but it's a responsibility. That I got a responsibility, you know. And that, that, that I want to make a difference in whatever way I can. If it's just to keep the coach from not getting kicked out of no games, that's my job. Got to be responsible, you know. If it means just praying every day for the team, you know, that they would be great students, the whole thing, their school. You know, that's my responsibility. It, it, it isn't just about loving basketball. Like, yeah, I love basketball. No. 
that, that we're here to make a difference. We're here to make a difference. See, you're where you are to make a difference. You know, at work, and you think, I hate my workplace. Well, maybe God's put you there to make a difference. And I, gotta, I, got, I got something for you to think about, right? On Easter, you know, Max said to, you know, this, who you want to invite. Maybe think of it like this. Who's the person that you know that you would love God to just work in their heart and change them? And so maybe you bring the guy you hate the most at work and you invite them to Easter, right? Because God says to love your enemies. And maybe it's like, man, I can't stand that guy. And don't tell him that. Don't say, hey, I want to invite you to Easter because you're the one person I think God should change. You know, I mean, don't say that. But just invite him, you know. And then when you invite him and you see me, you go, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, and then we won't say nothing. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, and then, you know, whatever. <laughs> but here's the thing. When we, when we choose to walk closely with God and God's going to use us, God says he's going to watch over you. That he's going to watch over you even in the midst of difficult times. That's what he does. That's what he does. That if you're going through a difficult time, if you walk close to God, God says, I want to use you, I want to bless you, and that I'm going to watch over you. And I'm going to watch over your family. You know? I mean, who, would, who wouldn't want that? Especially if you're a parent. And you got young kids. Wouldn't you want God to watch over your family? Well, how does that happen? If you choose to make a difference and trust God enough, God's going to watch over your family. And the thing we want to do is we want to watch over our family. Say, God, I can't do nothing because i got to watch over my family. No, you can't. But if you, you trust God here, he'll watch over your family. He will. You know? If I choose to trust and to do rightly to you know, love mercy and to walk humbly with my God and choose, say, God, whatever you want me to do with the HP women's basketball team, I will do. God will watch over my family. He won't ever let the coach get kicked out of no games, right? He hasn't yet. Got close to tonight. No, but no, he didn't. He did. But you know, right? You know, he'll take care of you and your family. And if you're a parent, really, and you look at, man, this world is a mess. Do this. God will take care of this. Right? God will say, I see you, Mark. I see you. I see you. I remember you. And he's going to guard and watch over your family. I believe God is saying to each one of us, hey, yeah, the world might be messed up. might be difficult times. But, but I placed you here for a reason and a purpose. You're going to make a difference. You're going to make a huge, extraordinary difference in our world. You know, there's this, uh, there was this front page article in the, the San Francisco Chronicle. And I like to read the San Francisco Chronicle and stuff online because, you know, I am, I, I am a proud 49er faithful. No matter we're in the toughest and challenging and most difficult time, it doesn't matter, you know. But there was this article about this bus driver named Linda Wilson Allen. And Linda Wilson Allen is just this regular bus driver in San Francisco, right? And she loves the people who ride on her bus. It isn't just a job, right? And you know bus drivers, they can tell you stories about all kinds of people that come on. That they would just say, you know what, I'm just going to do my job, right? But not her. That she loves the people. 
she actually takes time to learn their names of the people that ride her bus. Because oftentimes, you know, there's going to be regulars, right? And she'll remember their names. And, and, and she'll wait, you know, they have a bus schedule. She'll wait for them even if they're late. And, you know, she's going to make up time later on her route. There was this woman in her 80s named Ivy, and she had these heavy grocery bags one day. She was struggling with them. And Linda got out of her, you know, bus driver's seat, and she went over there to help Ivy carry in her grocery bags onto the bus. And now, you know, because of those little, I mean, that's just a little thing, right, carrying groceries. But because of that now, you know, Ivy said that, you know, she lets all the other buses pass so she can ride on Linda's bus. See? Linda saw a woman named Tanya in a bus shelter one day. And uh, she knew that Tanya was new to the area. She just had that lost look on her face. And, um, you know, it was almost Thanksgiving. And uh, so she says to Tanya, you're out here all by yourself. You don't know anyone. Come over to Thanksgiving and kick it with me and the kids, all right? So she invites this woman to over to her house for Thanksgiving, and, and now they're friends. You know, they're friends. Um, um, she's built this little community of blessings on that bus that, that is so contagious. She's just such a blessing that, 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 that there are passengers on her route that have offered her the use of their vacation homes. They've brought her potted plants and flowers and all kinds of things, you know. And then when people found out that, that she liked to wear scarves to accessorize her uniform, they would just start to bring her scarves as presents uh, to her. And, uh, you know, you, you think about what a thankless job, right, driving a bus is, right? I mean... I mean, you know, I, I don't know how important you're going to feel driving a bus, but not Linda. She said, in the world of cranky passengers, engine breakdowns, traffic jams, gums on the seat, gum on the seats, you ask yourself this, the article is writing this. How, how, do, how, how does she have this attitude, right? And so she, she says this in the article. Her mood, her mood is set at 2.30 a.m., this is what it says. Her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30, minute, for 30 minutes. And she says, there's a lot to talk about with the Lord. You know, and she's a member of a church in Hayward, California. And when she gets to the end of her line, she says, she always says, that's all. I love you. Take care. Have you ever heard a bus driver tell you, I love you? You know, I mean, it's crazy, right? And... And, you know, people wonder, where can, I, where can I get, where can I see the kingdom of God? See? And the truth is, you can find it on bus number 45, riding through San Francisco. See? Do rightly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. That's all Linda Allen Wilson is doing. This loving mercy. Some with groceries, go pick it up. See someone in need, hey, come to my house for Thanksgiving. Need help on the bus? Help you on the bus. And what you have is an extraordinary, you see a, a, just a typical ordinary person, you know, who is trusting an extraordinary God and making this powerful difference in her world. You know, you know making a powerful difference in the world. 
See, that's the immense privilege and responsibility we have as followers of Christ. And it starts with us taking a stand and saying that no matter how messed up the world is around us, no matter how bad my job is, no matter how much I hate school, no matter how much I just, you know, just can't stand people around me, you know, doesn't matter. What matters is we are going to choose because it's a decision, right? It's a decision. We're going to choose to do rightly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. That's what Noah did. That he was the only blameless person living a righteous life in all the earth. And God said, I remember you. See, the question for us is, are we going to respond to God's call? Are we going to respond to God's call? Because everyone can do that. Who cannot do rightly? You know, do what is right. Who, who cannot love mercy? Who can do that? And we just walk humbly with our God. What does that mean? We just walk humbly. Are we going to slip up? Yes, we're going to slip up. Max talked about the other week that if we think rotten thoughts in our mind, we've committed murders, murder in our, in our hearts. You know? Even at basketball game, I unfortunately committed murder in my heart. <laughs> right? But that's not the point. The point is, you're going to walk humbly with your God. You're going to do the best you can. God, I'm going to do the best I can. See, that's what it means. So, will you respond to God's call? Yeah. Why don't you stand? Let's pray. Okay, I want to tell you something. That, um, you know, Jesus hung on this cross. And I, I believe that he was buck naked and he was a mess and he did all that to love us and when I think of for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's what I see that, that the humiliation of it all and if God could get up on a cross to do that right, then sometimes to take just a small step of like might be a little bit shame I mean, we can do that. And so we're going to pray, right? I'm going to tell you beforehand. I'm going to ask, you know, if any of you would like to respond to God by saying that, you know what, as best I can, I'm going to choose to do justly. I'm going to choose to do rightly. I'm going to choose to love mercy. And I'm going to choose to walk humbly with our God. Okay? And I'm going to ask you, just, maybe just raise your hand. Okay, just raise your hand. If Jesus hanging that cross, we can raise our hand. Right? And it's not so that, you know, everyone can see. Just raise your hand as a way of saying, God, that's me. I'm going to try. Right? I'm going to ask if any of you would want to accept Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never done that. You know, and if you've never done, just raise your hand. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. It's just this. Right? And Let's pray then. And that's what I'm going to, you know, we're going to ask God. And if that's you and you feeling God doing something in your heart, in your, your, your life now, you just raise your hand, all right? You and God, all right? Let's pray. You know, Father, uh, right now, you know, we just want to, we, we see the story of Noah. We, we see what and who and what Noah did. That, that he just 
sought to walk close to you. And, you know, in my life, I could be walking a lot closer to you. Do I really do rightly and justly? Do I always love mercy? Do I always walk humbly with you? The answer is probably not. But I want to make a decision this day that I want to choose to do that. So if that's you, you just raise your hand, all right? Raise your hand and say, God, that's me. That I want to walk humbly with my God, all right? Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's a way of just, God, going to try. And then, you know, if you, you've never ever accepted Jesus as your Savior, you know, today maybe it's a good day to do that. And then maybe you say, God, you know, I, I want to accept your love for me. And yeah, I just feel overwhelmed in my life that I needed someone to come and save me. I recognize you've died on the cross for me, that I want to receive you as my Savior. And if that's you, you just raise your hand. Just raise your hand again. Yeah, Raise your hand if you want to do that. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, you see that step of faith. We just took a little time just to raise our hands. Will you help us to really walk humbly with you? Will you help us to love mercy? Just give us your love for the people around us. Will you help us to do what is right? And it's hard sometimes, God. Will you send your Holy Spirit to help us to do what is right? That we would draw close to you, God. And we want to say, God, that we want you to use us to make a difference in the world around us. That we no longer want to be a victim. We want to be a victor. And we want to be someone who can make a difference, not just let stuff happen to us. And Father, this day for some of us, we want to say, Jesus, come into our lives. Be my Savior. That I recognize you died on the cross. I needed a Savior. I've messed up. You know, I ask for your forgiveness. Come into my life now. Lead me. Pull me out of this pit that I'm in. Just thank you, Lord. So, Father, thank you for Noah, for his example to us. Help us to be like him. For like your word says, this is the days of Noah, that we would be like him and choose to draw near to you, that our lives would be, would be a demonstration and a display of someone who walks justly, who loves mercy, and walks humbly with you. We just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless. Um, you know, the team will be playing their first game in the Pac West tournament against Dominican, so you can be praying for them, right? God bless. Have a great week.